Hey folks, welcome back to the Cosmic Car Wash Podcast. I am Paul Daly. This is my good friend, Rick Kaiser. Hello, everybody. And I feel like maybe you should apologize ahead of time for the weird angles. You're on an iPad and my setup is a little different now. So sorry that I'm not looking straight at the camera. I'm looking at you on my laptop, just camera adjacent. So hopefully sure uh, we'll be critiqued for that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Our fives of fans will have things to say. I was like, one eye's not going one way. The other's the other. Such <laughs> <Like> those fish. <laughs> hey, Paul, how you doing? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So if anybody's keeping track, this is, uh, I think three weeks since the last one we recorded, uh, we were in a pretty good routine for a while of yeah. once a week and just really churning through some pretty solid content and, you know, life gets in the way and, uh, certainly does. Yeah. I mean, both of us have multiple other jobs that we do and we're doing this on a shoestring budget and by shoestring, I mean like, what does a shoestring <laughs> cost? That's about our budget <laughs> for this sure. podcast. Speaking of shoestrings, I need a couple new pair. So, so I, as a matter of fact, I can say we're probably doing this podcast for less than shoestrings cost, given the rate of inflation. So, True. you get what you get, and you don't pitch a fit. Yeah, we probably owe money. So, <laughs> someone. Yeah, yeah. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, you and I have kicked around uh, a few different titles. Uh, yeah. One that we had floated was the Dynamic Duplicitous Duo. Uh, just kind of thinking about life and, you know, yeah, we are unfinished people uh, waiting for, but still working for the great renewal and, you know, life pulls at us from different directions. And I was talking to a friend today and he was a listener to this podcast on a regular basis, which I think is really amazing and nice. told him that, we were maybe thinking about calling this one the dynamic duplicitous duo and just kind of talking about that. Uh, yeah, we're all um, a, a product of the things that we hope for and the things that we want, but also the choices we've made in life. And, you know, those have maybe taken us in different directions from God's ideal, but, you know, with the help of the Holy Spirit and God's grace, we are moving closer and closer to what it means to be like Jesus. And we're Definitely. all, you know, people in progress. So, yeah. But uh, anyway, we are calling this one more Warrior Poet Cabbage. Um, just as an attempt to kind of allude to, you know, I want to catch up with you, Rick, and see what's God been doing in your life and what's he been saying. And just reflect on that and we'll kind of see where the conversation takes us. But, uh, mm. yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. I've had some ups and downs, you know, I mean, we've both had some challenges over the last couple of weeks and um, you lost um, your wife's basically mom. Yes. You know, not by birth, but she took Amy in. So that's been a tough blow. You lost your dad not long ago. So yep. <clears throat> you're, uh, you have great resiliency. And um, I, uh, I lost my mind a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> not really it's just a lot going on we uh, janet was in orlando and and then you know day after she got back we had people come in and they're building a house on the lake and so they stayed with us good friends of ours uh, great jazz musician uh, mm -hmm. chicago emmy winner 
So he's been playing music with us and he's going to once he truly gets settled. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's awesome. And uh, this construction going on on our back deck, you know, the Taj Mahal, as you call it. Uh, <laughs> and um, just busy. You ever feel like you're so busy, but you you don't really get much accomplished? Yeah, 100%. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, Sometimes I feel guilty for uh, just chilling, I'm not doing anything. And I think I should be doing something. I should be writing my next book. I, you know, I should be, you know, building a cabin or, you know, stocking up. But, you know, the whole duplicitous thing, it uh, was, uh, it was really hot on the, the front burner a couple of weeks ago. And it kind of, cooled, yep. kind of cooled along the way. But, you know, I was thinking this morning, um, so I was listening to a little Dr. Uh, Michael Heiser while I was yeah. working out in the torture chamber this morning and uh, about angels. And uh, that, that guy is such a deep well of wisdom, you know, I feel yeah. like I'm just scratching the surface with him. But uh, he's talking about people's attempts to be good. Mm. And it really struck a chord with me because I find myself constantly trying to garner favor or you know or you know it's a good mm -hmm. job i mean growing up i had a typical dad he was a military guy crew cut you know i got my hair cut in the garage so i was a teenager <laughs> and uh the, actually i got it in a barber shop in southern california my first haircut not in the garage with clippers from the you know lincoln administration <laughs> the sheer sheep that's what it <laughs> felt like like he might have well just pulled my hair out because it it didn't cut. It just yanked. And I can remember, going, sit still, sit still. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, it hurts. And my friends standing around me, you know, they look like the cast from Sandlot, <laughs> chewing gum with the ball, and you know, baseball on their ball, and their, and their glove waiting for me. Come on, Kaiser. I'm like, oh, I'll be right there. <laughs> you know, and he, <laughs> and he had three one, you know, a can of three and one on. <laughs> kept hitting it. I'm not exaggerating at all. That was a haircut growing up for me. Oh and, my uh, gosh. Yeah. So he uh he finally my friend Dave Pratt, he was a surfer boy, surfer kid, and uh you know, blonde, tanned, blue eyed, just cool kid. And I was we came from Missouri. My right. dad was military, so he, you know, he's going to get his haircut. So my dad gave me a couple of bucks, if it was even that much. So I thought, man, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get a haircut like Dave's. I'm going to be a surfer. But my dad told me, tell the man this. So I got there, and Dave got his, his, you know, and and so I sit down, I hand him the money, and he goes, what'll it be today, son? I said my dad said medium close, and I'll never forget his head spun around in front of me. You sure? And I went. Oh no, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I knew then this is not going to be good. <laughs> I look like a Marine recruit. I mean, oh my. I wore an e uh, an orange beanie for weeks and weeks. And if someone yanked it off, I would just go rogue, face beat oh, red, just to get funny. some hair back. Yeah, you know, and then the worst part of sh cutting it super short like that is you have that awkward period where it grows out and it just kind of does whatever it wants. And yeah, yeah, my hair problems. didn't do what it wanted to. It was afraid of my dad. <laughs> oh. oh, I had a point to this. Oh, just about being good and, and being enough. And 
Um, you know, I was in the scouts and, uh, you know, back then my dad was, he was, was a hard man. He just, he didn't want anyone to think that I was getting anything because I was his son. Scouts, mm. he coached and he was a scoutmaster for a while. So, and he told me, you're never, no one's ever going to say you got what you got because I was, I was your coach or I was a scoutmaster. So, uh, he said, it's going to make, it's going to be twice as hard for you as everybody else. He said that to me and it was, he didn't lie. And so I, you know, especially growing up, then you hit those awkward years and he didn't want anything to do with me. And, uh, but I grew up like that, trying to constantly please him for him to be proud of me. And, uh, funny, ironically, years later, he's the one that led me to the Lord, reached across the table and said, please pray with me. And, um, that's not what I heard. And I heard the voice of God and, and thus begin that journey. And I've told you many times, I've never been the Christian I promised I would be, but he's always been the savior he promised he would be. So that being said, to make a long story longer, I was sitting on the couch this morning and did my devotions and really excited about, again, just always sharing the message of the Palingenesia, the great renewal with people that may or may not have ever heard of it before. And, and you begin to get a kind of a feeling like one of the, the girls in our devotion this morning could tell. Yep. Like, wow. Picking it up. Yep. Uh, and our, you know, our friend Jeff Hunter, I mean, he's just, it's, it is truly the good news, Paul. I mean, it is, you know? And so, but I also still find myself in that place where I kind of vacillate, like, you know, but I'm, I want God to say, you know, I'm proud of you. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, and, and when you screw up or you do something wrong, you have, you know, some think some things you shouldn't even be thinking and uh, just your reactions and your words and your frustration, your anger and, and even fear and all of those things. And I was thinking about that this morning. And again, it always brings me back full circle to that. And I told him, you know, we talk a lot about talking about you and I and close people around us. So we talk about the escape theology that is so prevalent in our culture with the rapture message. Yep. And yet I don't want to be guilty of being an, an escapist in an, on another platform. And that escape right. being, you know, come on, Eden, I'm hanging on till Eden, you know. And uh, there is that, that fine line where you have to live it. And um, so in my cacophony and conundrum of slippery thoughts, and um, I came to the conclusion that to get through that and not so necessarily become that, you know, I'm doing my devotions for Eden. I'm doing everything, you know, so I make it. And I do. I think that's kind of a natural thing, but I want to do it because I love him. Yeah. And I, and I do, and I tell them that every single day, but, um, that's kind of, I guess that would be my, you know, dynamic duplicitous, um, diversion or whatever. So it's just, that's kind of what's I'm thinking about the last couple of days is that, and I think maybe it's, um, and the thought did occur to me is that, you know, God, as, as we're pursuing him, that. He pulls a little bit away to see if we'll keep coming. Yeah. And I told him the other day, I will not stop 
pursuing you. I'm not going to stop. I don't care what happens. Yeah. I'm I'm coming after you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking about that scene from The Chosen, uh, season two, where Mary Magdalene's character has a, a relapse and oh. goes back to her old life. And uh, Peter or Simon still at the time and Matthew go to find her and bring her back to Jesus. And she's just heartbroken. And she said, you fixed me once and I broke again. And I love the way the, the writers of The Chosen portrayed that is that uh, in the show, Jesus said, you know, it's not much of a redemption if it can be lost in one day. And then he uh, said, yeah, I mean, that was just, I think for a lot of people, just an incredibly healing because even though that's not word for word from the scripture, that is the heart of God. Exactly. Whatever he's given us can't be taken away. Dude, I forget and, that stuff, Paul. Yeah. I do. And as, as much as we stumble, like, I, I know your heart, like, you're not one to want to give that away. It can't be stolen, and I know you don't want to give it away. And so just like her character, she comes back to Jesus and says, you know, I'm so sorry. And Jesus replied, all I want is your heart. The Father just wants your heart. You know, give us that, and that's enough. Wow. And everything else, he works on that in time. And I have the same experience over the last week, just how could I go back to these things? How could I do this again? I'm so disappointed with myself. And then the other day I was taking our little puppy Duke out for a walk around the neighborhood. The yeah. weather here has been uh, unseasonably nice the last week. And I started to pray while I was on the walk. And I just thought, man, I don't feel like praying. And just really quietly, gently, I heard the Holy Spirit say, you know, silence is its own kind of worship. Just wow. look around at the beauty of creation. You know, we live in a modest neighborhood. You know, nothing fancy, but it's quiet, it's safe, it's, you know, there's trees, and it's it's beautiful. And, yeah, I just felt the kindness of God. And he told me a couple other things that, you know, really, wow, really spoke to me. But it was just that in the midst of my duplicity, he yeah. is singular, just kind and merciful and patient. And if I am willing to come back, he will have me every single time. That's wrecking me right now. Uh, I forgot about that episode. I have to go back and watch that. But that's just a beautiful word. Yeah, thank you. You're I welcome. needed to hear that. So. I think I needed to hear it too. And uh, wow, yeah, he's just he's kind. And I love what you say. You know. That I've never, I've, I've never been the the Christian, or rarely been the Christian that I promised I would be. But he's always been the savior that he promised he would be. I think about that all the time, mm -hmm. and you know, as we were kind of kicking around the idea of uh, an episode on duplicity, I was thinking about uh, scriptures, and I think it's in Peter where it says, you know, wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded, and it has this. I think that's typically interpreted as how you wash your hands, you sinners, but <laughs> reinterpreting that through the God that we've come to know, the God who created Eden and is working to restore Eden. That's not a bony finger. That is a, a plea. A, it's, it's, it's a pull from the heart of God. Like, wash your, 
wash your hands, purify your hearts, right. come back to me. All I want your heart. I want your heart. I want your devotion. And it's for our good. You know, yeah. isn't that interesting how every person interprets it a little bit differently. And when we read it, we hear, you know, yeah, a different voice, you know, I, and it's, I find that very interesting that because of how you read that first, you know, wash your hands, you know, I mean, that's how I read that for decades. Is this just that angry, um, you know, surly curmudgeon did not suffer fools graciously, you know? And, um, so you're right. I, uh, I think back often to, uh, and I just finished, we both just finished Blaine Eldridge's The Paradise King. Wow. So, so good. I have to read it. It's right on my, uh, on the end table and I'm going to read it again. There's just so many parts in there. And when I got to, you know, the last chapter, I won't do any spoiler alerts, but, and this is not a paid, you know, advertisement. It is just a stunning book. Yes. So well done, well crafted, um, uh, rooted in scripture and history. I mean, Blaine, I'd love to meet the guy. Blaine did an incredible job. I mean, there's just, you can, when you read that book, you will see uh, hours, years of painstaking research. And uh, it's very evident. uh, Beautiful. Anyway, the part in the beginning, he's talking about Adam Mm -hmm. and, uh, they're leaving Eden and God calls them. And every time I think of that, Paul, it just wrecks me. First of all, just the story of the covering that he made for them. And I can't remember the exact word, but it's only used two other times. And that's Ketheneth. The coat. Yeah. Their coat. Kohoneth, Ketheneth, something like that. (laughs) It's Hebrew and neither one of us speak Hebrew. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I speak in hieroglyphics sometimes, but no one knows what I'm saying. And um, that the fact that he didn't clothe them with some bloody matted animal skin, it was the same word for Joseph's coat, coat of many colors and the tunic for the priests. So that's just beautiful. And then, you know, Blaine's imagination is masterful storytelling. He says, you know, God says, Adam, Eve, and they turn. And he, you know, looks at them and says, um, soon the snake crusher will come. Go and go quickly. Your best hope does not does not lie behind you. And uh, I had to close the book. I sat there and bawled. And uh, he said this, you know, that's not recorded, but this would be true to the story. And he's right. And the more that you begin to see that, the more that I begin to see that, it's I put a little bit more distance behind that, you know. Mm -hmm. Wash your hands. That, you know, that angry, surly curmudgeon. And I wish I had never known him that way. He's not that way, but that was just my, you know, my interpretation. And I guess that things like that do cause it. You know the duplicity that we struggle with. You know, and sometimes I think we beat ourselves up more than he ever would. And I wrote a long time ago about the cross. It's either uh, it's either more than enough, or it isn't enough at all. Right. You know. Yeah. So 
Yeah, you know, just regarding that verse, and there's so many others in Scripture that you and I are re-examining now three years into this being born again, again, part of our lives. Right. Um, I'm reminded of uh, a sermon that uh, Amy, actually, when we first got together, it's been 19 years ago now. Wow. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. Wow. Um, she was relating to me a sermon that was preached at her church, uh, and the the title of the message I will never forget because I it's a truism: how we see him is how we serve him. And if we see God as the angry, surly curmudgeon who, you know, Jesus is having to like hold God away from destroying us, that's how we're going to serve him. You know, begrudgingly, like, well, I got to do this, otherwise God's going to smite me. But when you see that God was himself, the fullness of the Trinity, in Jesus, hanging on the cross, God heaped our punishment upon himself mm -hmm. just to get us back. When you see that, when you see that the whole arc of the biblical story is about getting back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, then you realize he's a good God. He's kind. He's merciful. He's compassionate. And there are serious issues. There are serious things in our character to be dealt with. Justice and injustice are serious matters. Yes. And God doesn't trifle with those things. He, or he no. doesn't treat those things lightly, but he also is not a God full of indiscriminate wrath and right. you know, mindless judgment. Yes, and just yeah, blind rage. Right, blind rage, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I I know. Um, gosh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, I like what Tim Mackey said. What you hope for shapes what you live for. Oh yeah, that's good. You know, um, yeah, I really like that, and it's true. Uh, I think that again, there's just little things, and you know, I thought of this as well that. Um, even the story of the crucifixion and coming through our Western filters and it comes through our culture and our experiences and all of those things. We, we tend to interpret the Bible through our own filters, through yeah. our own experiences, our relationships with our, our fathers, our mothers, whatever, where we grew up, how we grew up, you know, right. so much of it is interpreted through that. You know, whether you're, you know, reading um, an old King James, your great grandpa had, or, uh, you know, a brand new, you know, living translation. And, um, and just, I said all that to say this, when we say things like, you know, God sent his only son, which is in the scripture yep. to die on a cross for you, to tell that to somebody that has never heard anything about Christianity, how macabre do you think that sounds? Yeah. It's terrifying. It is. You know, what? He bloody murdered, sacrifice, yeah. He murdered his son for me, for my neighbor, for the, you know, yeah, the angry guy that lives down the street that throws rocks at everybody's windows. Um, and yet when, again, like what you just explained is that if you can't, you we can't separate Christ from his father. Yeah, And I don't believe, a lot of people, and I heard this a long time ago, and we talked about this before, that God turned his back on his son when he was on the cross because he can't look upon sin. 
And I don't know where that came from. Um, because I mean, good grief, the, the Satan showed up to, you know, trade barbs with him about Job, you know? Right. So, yeah, a, a lot, I think a lot of misconceptions and it kind of cloud our experiences and, and they, I think they feed some of that, the, those thoughts and, um, that behavior and the duplicitous um, opinions that form and, and shape how we look at things. And yeah. um, not long ago, and especially in the onset of, um, you know, the great renewal and you shared with me, we're going on three and a half years. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know what? Nothing's changed. Nothing's waned. I, I, I still pray for the kingdom to come every single day, Paul. Yep. I mean, I long for it. It's an ache. Yeah. And uh, but I think that when we look at things from that perspective, then it I guess it's easy to see, you know, that side of that that anger and that hatred and that frustration, as opposed to looking at it from Jesus was not hanging on the cross; he was, but so was the Father. Yeah. What are you telling? Yeah, me? Brian Sand is a pastor in St. Joseph, Missouri. Um, and actually wrote a book, The Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. And he was the first person uh, oh. that introduced me to that. And we did a devotional uh, based on that book. It's been a couple years ago now. Um, but he made the point, and I think it's completely scriptural, that to say God turned his back on Jesus or that Jesus was hanging there, but somehow the Father and the Holy Spirit weren't, like that's you're dividing the Trinity, and you can't do that. You're right. All of God is all of God all the time, everywhere. Jesus was God. He didn't give up his divinity when he became a man. So, and that gets into deep theological waters, but I agree with you that, yeah, the Father was right there. Yeah, through the thick and thin of it. You know, and if, because if that, you know, I mean, if that weren't the case, um, when they're in the garden and, uh, Peter pulls out a sword and hacks off Malchus's ear. And Jesus says, that's enough. Don't you know that if I ask, my father would send mm. a legion of angels, thousands. And look what one angel did. Um, oh, uh, it was in Isaiah to the Assyrians. Yes. 185,000 Assyrians 185, in one night. One night, one angel. So, yeah. The father was waiting all, you know, and he would have done it because don't you know, I could ask him and he would send them and Rome yeah. would have been annihilated. Right. Level. So that means God was there with him right there. And never took watching. Yep. Never took his eyes off his son. Yeah. You know, which really was himself. Right. And uh, so, yeah, you start getting into that and that one. You know, he's hanging on the cross. God is hanging on the cross. Holy Spirit is hanging on the cross. The Trinity is hanging on that cross. And so much love and, uh, you know, almost an obsession to bring him back and to destroy the grave, to destroy the evil one, to destroy everything that's destroying us. Yeah. The Bible says that he came to conquer, you know, sin and death, sin in the grave. Yeah. And to pour out all of that on himself. On himself. On himself. Yeah. Just his son, you know. Yep, he's over there. I can't look at him. Um, no, they are all three of them were there, Paul. 
Yeah. Um, that's that's just... really good. I like that you use the word obsessed and I just was kind of rabbit trailing for a moment. Like our world, we understand what it means to be obsessed. We see stories in the news of the crazy things that people do who are obsessed with another right. person, with losing weight, with any number of things. And it's always destructive. It's this, it's couched in like, it's some kind of oddity. It's weird. It's destructive. It's unhealthy. But if God is obsessed with goodness and with restoration and with healing, that's that. I think there's an element of like, that's in us. That nature of God is in us to like pursue with reckless abandon, the heart of God. But if we turn away from that, then the only thing left is to be obsessed with all these other things. And Jesus said, you know, a, a spirit leaves a man, you know, he goes out and searches and he comes back and finds the house swept clean and put in order, but unoccupied. That's why hmm. we need to be as obsessed with hmm. the message of the great renewal of that's it good. Is, it is the gospel. I mean, I wrote commented about this the other day in our devotions that right. Jesus didn't just die to save us from our sins. He did that, but he also died to save us for Eden the palingenesia, you know, the great renewal, like that's the goal. And there's an element of Jesus's work that has yet to be completed. And Paul said as much in the gospels that the last enemy to be defeated is death. And when that happens, then the end comes and everything is made new. And so, yeah, but that's, that's good. Yeah. Hmm. So we can still be obsessed. Absolutely. With Yes. I like that. I like it. Yeah. I remember yeah. as a kid, um, there was a Christian music artist, uh, very f popular in the 80s into the 90s, Carmen. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And he had an album called Addicted to Jesus. And I was a young, you know, tween Christian fanboy. And I had a, a shirt <laughs> that I proudly wore to school, Addicted to Jesus. And uh, one of the girls in my class made a comment about, isn't it bad to be addicted to things? And kind of that same discussion, I was, you know, much younger and, uh, yeah, not as, I don't know if I'm how wise I am now, but I know that whatever, whatever I've, I am now, I was definitely not that then. And, uh, I just explained though, that, yeah, to be addicted to and obsessed with somebody that loves you and that gave his life to be reunited like that's that's the best way you can spend your life yeah do you know that carmen came to our church in ebony oh wow yeah <laughs> yeah several years ago so on a weeknight it was just kind of a yep yeah we didn't go huh yeah i just thought it was odd that he came to ebony virginia right? because Ebony, Virginia is smaller than Smith in Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not well, lying. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, he once packed out uh Oh stadium one of the stadiums in Texas. It seats like seventy thousand people. He was a big deal in the time, but Oh, I mean, I know. I remember I was traveling on a prison ministry team and one of the guys, Danny huh? Davis, I think was his name, and he did uh, a lot of performance tracks. Yeah. He covered uh uh, some Carmen stuff. And the one that everybody always wanted was uh, Lazarus come forth. Lazarus come forth. And, but he, 
Yeah, but he did it. I mean, close your eyes. He thought, you know, karma was in the room. He just nice. did it. Yeah. It nice. just, yeah. The champion, that was another good one. I remember doing that as a skit when I was probably 12 or 13 years old, growing up in Smith and Community Church. Yeah. Dude, we did mimes in our own church. Remember that? <laughs> yep. Oh, I wrote one. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I wish there was video of that. <laughs> I think there is somewhere, but I wrote a mime. Wrote a song, put this whole thing together. I had church actors, you know, and they mined the whole thing. Oh, and, my gosh. And the, the only words that were spoken were at the end when we hit the last chord. And and uh, it was, and I said, choose this day whom you shall serve. And I said it with this booming dun, dun, dun. voice. Yeah, and it was funny. It was, uh, yeah, I remember that. We actually had a little team that went out. We were called... Uh, Agents of Change, and Change was an acronym for Christ Helpers and Negotiation of God's Enterprises. <laughs> wow. Yes. How long we, did it take to come up with that? Not long for me. <laughs> yeah, Christ Helpers and Negotiators of God's Enterprises. And we had a storyteller, we had mime, oh, you know, we wow. had music, and, and we did a few things, you know, and uh, people would come, and it was it was fun. I'm learning yeah. so many things about you that I just didn't know. I really want to see Rick the mime. <laughs> no, I did not mind. I did You're not mind. director, okay. Yes, I was the director. I was the creative, uh, the resident creator. I'm, That's it amazing. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, mine was big, I remember, in the bowling alley church. Went to a church in Rancho, Illinois, in a bowling alley. And they called us the Holy Bowlers. The Holy Bowlers. <laughs> they did. That's the first place I went after I got saved. And I mean, it was a big church. You would, you, you know, it was a separate part of the, of the bowling alley. You walked in, it was on your right and it held, you know, several hundred people. Oh, wow. And we had a couple of classrooms and, and, uh, it was a big building. Um, but like we did like a Wednesday night service, they had leagues. Right. And I remember one lady in there, she was, had just started coming to church. She was young, just very pretty. And, you know, and uh, you know, people get so spiritual. It's funny, you know, people get saved, either like a Pentecost or evangelical or, or a charismatic, you know, first place they go, Revelations. Revelation. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out Revelations. Really? Good luck with that. <laughs> so, and she was in the back one time the, it, during the service, just freaking out because all the spirits in the bowling alley were getting her agitated. <laughs> it's like. You know, and uh, and then a drunk guy stumbled in one service, sat down next to a lady he knew and was hitting on her during oh. the service. Oh. <laughs> and I was at the sound booth, you know, and no one did anything. People were just like, you know, just, oh, Lord, Lord. Yeah, I could see him bound their heads. And then this guy, Ruben, who was a state trooper, <laughs> he was on the other side of the sanctuary. And, he come, and the dude was like a mountain of a man comes walking over <laughs> and uh, just very deliberately, but calm. Walks over and just gets close enough to where the guy's sitting there and he's leaning over, he's talking to this girl and he looks up and he sees Ruben, knows exactly who he is. And his eyes got real big. <laughs> and Ruben goes, <laughs> walks over, walks him out. He never, he didn't say. <laughs> That's um, stuff. This is cabbage tissue? We could probably spend uh, several hours talking about cabbage. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, 
I can throw one last thing. I yeah. had my old notes from our duplicitous doubting Thomas, I guess was our, um, you know, Didymus is Aramic for twin, Thomas Didymus. And uh, doubt is not rejection of belief, but holding a belief with hesitation and uncertainty. Doubt involves believing something with questions about whether it is really true or not. And, um, oh gosh, what does it say about him? At, the passage clearly indicates, you know, when Thomas, he's not there, he misses that moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and put my finger in the mark and in his side, I will never believe. And the, the, as the passage clearly indicates, Thomas refused to believe, but he didn't doubt the resurrection. Um, hmm. He, well, and maybe it says he didn't doubt the resurrection. He had rejected it entirely and claimed he would never believe without physically touching the risen Jesus. The adjective doubting misrepresents Thomas's unbelief. Maybe we should call him skeptical. Skeptical? That's hard for you to say. Thomas or incredulous Thomas. Incredulous Thomas. Yeah. So, hmm. But of course, it doesn't have the same flair as doubting Thomas. Regardless, Thomas was not a doubter. Wow. Okay. I don't know who wrote that, but I pulled it off the internet. So, but you know what? Jesus never doubted Thomas. Yeah. You pointed it out a couple days ago. I think it was in the devotions. Maybe it was in a conversation, but how kind of Jesus that he knew what Thomas said. And a little bit later he showed up and said, Hey, Thomas, put your finger. Here's my hands. Put your finger in the hole in my side and stop, stop doubting. You know, like just kind of him that Jesus didn't scold him. He offered him right the proof that he was looking for. I mean, and Thomas ended up going on to become an apostle to the the nation of India um, and was martyred. So that's uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. belief. That is belief. He was yeah. committed. I think they all got an incredible vision of the great renewal. Yeah of the return of the kingdom of God, the return of Eden and not whisked away off this planet, you know? And, uh, I think that has been a, uh, very much a, almost a crime against humanity is that so many people believe that. And it's really hard for them to let go. Yeah. It's hard for them to do it because it's changed. And when you've been taught that, you know, you're going to be, you know, meet him in the air and, take off to some nebulous, you know, existential, you know, nowhere paradise. Right. It, it, and again, that's so contrary to what we believe, you know, it, where's the resurrection? Right. So yeah, there's a resurrection without it. We had another gospel. Yeah. N.T. Wright made that clear. He said, there's been kind of a lopsided, focus on Christmas over Easter. If you get rid of Christmas, you lose a couple chapters at the beginning of Matthew and a couple chapters at the beginning of Luke. Right. You get rid of the resurrection, you lose the entire New Testament. Right. And right. he also went on to say that if you want to know what God's future for humanity looks at, looks like, look at Jesus after the resurrection. He yeah. had a fish fry on the beach with his friends yeah. okay. and he taught and he worked and he, you know, spent time with them and yep. yeah, it, and it makes it just 
clear and something that I can sink my teeth into and something that I can actually hope for because it's like, okay, this is concrete. This is real. It's not existential or nebulous. Right. Like, do I go to heaven and float on clouds and wear a halo? And do I, I love to sing, but am I going to have to like sing for eternity? I don't know. But I know what life on this earth looks like, and I can start to imagine what it would look like without sin and death and mm -hmm. decay and loss and pain. And that is exciting, and it makes me want to serve the God who would give us a life like that. I know. I love I, the closest I've come. I was talking to God this morning. We should probably get, start thinking about wrapping it up. But yeah. I was talking this morning to him about... Uh, just that lack of ambivalence, you know, that's just pretty much gone. And, uh, and told him that I, you could come right now. I, I yes. admit, I have no idea what it's really going to look like, but I'd have to lean to what Blaine said in the last chapter of the paradise King. And, uh, that it might look something like that. And that was just one of the most beautiful yes. things I've ever heard. So, if you haven't read the book, we would strongly encourage you to read it. And this just profound. Yeah. So I think this is a good spot to finish up the coleslaw. Don't you this think? Is. If we keep going, we'll hit our second wind and this will be an hour and a half episode and nobody wants that. So. All right. All right. Cool. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm now looking at the camera. Right. <laughs> thank you everybody for joining us. Um, we'd love it if you would connect with us. Um, you can reach us on uh, the Uversion Bible app, Paul Daly, Rick Kaiser. We're there. Our photos are there along with our beautiful wives. And uh, you can email us at info at the com. You can leave comments in the video here. We get notified anytime somebody leaves a comment. So be happy to respond to you, engage with you, and share with you whatever God has shared with us. I mean, it is really really good news and I mean, we've been serving god a long time and this has changed our lives whoops sorry about that that's all right that'll go in the blooper reel <laughs> okay just hold but, it till <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so we'd just love to connect with anybody here and just share this message as freely as it's been shared with us so and yeah. The last Wait. thing we always say, yeah, God, God is not mad at you. Amen. He's not. Yep. All right. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you, and I love you dearly, and uh, look forward to doing this again with you soon. Absolutely. Bye.